chapter thirty two part two of the children of the abbey this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the children of the abbey by regina maria roche chapter thirty two part two amanda perceived her father knew nothing of her sufferings but supposed her return occasioned by his letter she therefore resolved if possible not to undeceive him at least till his health was better the night was far advanced and her father who saw her ill and almost sinking with fatigue requested her to retire to rest she accordingly did her bed was made up in the little closet mrs byrne assisted her to undress and brought her a bowl of whey which she trusted with a comfortable sleep would carry off her feverish symptoms and enable her to be her father's nurse her rest however was far from being comfortable it was broken by horrid dreams in which she beheld the pale and emaciated figure of her father suffering the most exquisite tortures and when she started from these dreams she heard his deep moans which were like daggers going through her heart she arose once or twice supposing him in pain but when she went to his bed she found him asleep and was convinced from that circumstance his pain was more of the mental than the bodily kind she felt extremely ill her bones were sore from the violent motion of the carriage and she fancied rest would do her good but when towards morning she was inclined to take some she was completely prevented by the noise the children made on rising fearful of neglecting her father she arose soon after herself but was scarcely able to put on her clothes from excessive weakness she found him in bed but awake he welcomed her with a languid smile and extending his hand which was reduced to mere skin and bone said that joy was a greater enemy to repose than grief and had broken his earlier than usual that morning he made her sit down by him he gazed on her with unutterable tenderness in divine language cried he i may say let me see thy countenance let me hear thy voice but sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely and my soul has pleasure in gazing on it the kettle was already boiling he had procured a few necessaries for himself such as tea-things and glasses amanda placed the tea-table by the bedside and gave him his breakfast whilst receiving it from her his eyes were raised to heaven as if in thankful gratitude for the inestimable blessing he still possessed in such a child after breakfast he said he would rise and amanda retired into the garden till he was dressed if that could deserve the appellation which was only a slip of ground planted with cabbages and potatoes and enclosed with loose stones and blackberry bushes the spring was already advanced the day was fine the light and fleecy clouds were gradually dispersing and the sky almost as far as the eye could reach was of a clear blue the dusky green of the blackberry bushes was enlivened by the pale purple of their blossoms tufts of primroses grew beneath their shelter the fields which rose with a gentle swell above the garden were covered with a vivid green 
spangled with daisies buttercups and wild honeysuckles and the birds as they fluttered from spray to spray with notes of gladness hailed the genial season but neither the season nor its charms could now as heretofore delight amanda she felt forlorn and disconsolate deprived of the comforts of life and no longer interested in the objects about her she sat down upon a stone at the end of the garden and she thought the fresh breeze from the sea cooled the feverish heat of her blood alas she said to herself at this season last year how different was my situation from the present though not in affluence neither was she then in absolute distress and she had besides the comfortable hope of having her father's difficulties removed like burns mountain daisy she had then cheerfully glinted forth amidst the storm because she thought that storm would be soon overblown but now she saw herself on the point of being finally crushed beneath the rude pressure of poverty she recollected the words which had escaped her when she last saw tudor hall and she thought they were dictated by something like a prophetic spirit she had then said as she leaned upon a little gate which looked into the domain when these woods again glow with vegetation when every shade resounds with harmony and the flowers and the blossoms spread their foliage to the sun ah where will amanda be far distant in all probability from these delightful shades perhaps deserted and forgotten by their master she was indeed far distant from them deserted and if not forgotten at least only remembered with contempt by their master remembered with contempt by lord mortimer it was an idea of intolerable anguish his name was no more repeated as a charm to soothe her grief his idea increased her misery she continued indulging her melancholy meditations till informed by one of the children the captain was ready to receive her she hastened in and found him in an old high-backed chair and the ravages of care and sickness were now more visible to her than they had been the night before he was reduced to a mere skeleton the original brightness of his form was quite gone and he seemed already on the very brink of the grave the agony of amanda's feelings was expressed on her countenance he perceived and guessed its source he endeavoured to compose and comfort her she mentioned a physician he tried to dissuade her from the idea of bringing one but she besought him in compassion to her to consent and overcome by her earnestness he at last promised the ensuing day she should do as she wished it was now sunday and he desired the service of the day to be read a small bible lay on the table before him and amanda complied with his desire in the first lesson were these words leave thy fatherless children to me and i will be their father the tears gushed from fitzalan he laid his hand which appeared convulsed with agitation on the book oh what words of comfort cried he are these what transport do they convey to the heart of a parent burdened with anxiety yes merciful power i will with grateful joy commit my children to thy care for thou art the friend who will never forsake them he desired amanda to proceed her voice was weak and broken and the tears in spite of her efforts to restrain them stole down her cheeks when she had concluded her father drew her towards him and inquired into all that had passed during her stay in london she related to him without reserve the various incidents she had met with previous to her going to the marchionesses acknowledged the hopes and fears she experienced on lord mortimer's account and the argument he had made use of to induce her to a clandestine union with her positive refusal to such a step a beam of pleasure illumined the pallid face of fitzalan you acted said he as i expected and i glory in my child and feel more indignation than ever against lord cherbury 
for his mean suspicions amanda was convinced those suspicions had been infused into his mind by those who had struck at her peace and fame this idea however as well as their injuries to her she meant if possible to conceal when her father therefore desired her to proceed in her narrative her voice began to falter her mind became disturbed and her countenance betrayed her agitation the remembrance of the dreadful scene she had gone through at the marchioness's made her involuntarily shudder and she wished to conceal them for ever from her father but found it impossible to evade his minute and earnest inquiries gracious heaven said he on hearing them what complicated cruelty and deceit inhuman monsters to have no pity on one so young so innocent so helpless the hand of sorrow has indeed pressed heavy on thee my child but after the marchioness's former conduct i cannot be surprised at any action of hers he gave her a note to discharge her debt to howell and begged she would immediately write and return his grateful acknowledgments for his benevolence she feared he inconvenienced himself by parting with the note but he assured her he could spare it extremely well as he had been an economist and had still sufficient money to support them a few months longer in their present situation amanda now inquired when he had heard from her brother she said he had not answered her last letter and that his silence had made her very uneasy alas poor oscar exclaimed fitzalan he has not been exempt from his portion of distress he took a letter as he spoke from his pocket-book and presented it to amanda she opened it with a trembling hand and read as follows my dear father particular circumstances prevented my answering your last letter as soon as i could have wished and indeed the intelligence i have to communicate makes me almost averse to write at all as my situation however must sooner or later be known to you i think it better to inform you of it myself as i can at the same time reconcile you i trust in some degree to it by assuring you i bear it patiently and that it has not been caused by any action which can degrade my character as a man or a soldier i have long indeed had a powerful enemy to cope with and it will no doubt surprise you to hear that that enemy is colonel belgrave an interference in the cause of humanity provoked his insolence and malignity neither his words nor his looks were bearable and i was irritated by them to send him a challenge had i reflected the probable consequences of such a step must have occurred and prevented my taking it but passion blinded my reason and in yielding to its dictates do i hold myself alone culpable throughout the whole affair i gave him the opportunity his malicious heart had long desired of working my ruin i was by his order put under an immediate arrest a court-martial was held and i was broke for disrespect to a superior officer but it was imagined by the whole corps i should have been restored i however knew too much of belgrave's disposition to believe this would be the case but never shall he triumph in the distress he has caused by witnessing it i have already settled on the course i shall pursue and ere this letter reaches you i shall have quitted my native kingdom forgive me my dear sir for not consulting you relative to my conduct but i feared if i did your tenderness would interfere to prevent it or lead you to distress yourself on my account and to think that you and my dear sister were deprived of the smallest comfort by my means would be a source of intolerable anguish to me blessed as i am with youth health and fortitude i have no doubt but i shall make my way through the rugged path of life extremely well a parting visit i avoided from the certainty of its being painful to us both i shall write as soon as i reach my place of destination i rejoice to hear amanda is so happily situated with lady greystock may your suffering and her merit be rewarded as they deserve suffer not i entreat too tender an anxiety for my interests to disturb your repose i again repeat i have no doubt but what i shall do well that providence in which i trust will i humbly hope 
support me through every difficulty and again unite me to the friends so valuable to my heart farewell my dear father and be assured with unabated respect and gratitude i subjoin myself your affectionate son oscar fitzlin this letter was a cruel shock to amanda she hoped to have procured her father's company and that her father's melancholy and her own would have been alleviated by it sensible of the difficulties oscar must undergo without friends or fortune the tears stole down her cheeks and she almost dreaded she could no more behold him her father besought her to spare him the misery of seeing those tears he leaned upon her for comfort and support he said and bid her not disappoint him she hastily wiped away her tears and though she could not conquer tried to suppress her anguish jonathan and kate called in the course of the day to know if they could be of any service to fitzalyne amanda engaged jonathan to go to town the next morning for a physician he gave kate the key of a wardrobe where she had left some things which she desired her to pack up and send to the cabin in the evening mrs byrne gave them one of her fowls for dinner and fitzalyne assumed an appearance of cheerfulness and the evening wore away somewhat better than the preceding part of the day had done jonathan was punctual in obeying amanda's commands and brought a physician the next morning to the cabin fitzalyne appeared much worse and amanda rejoiced that she had been resolute in procuring him advice she withdrew from the room soon after the physician had entered it and waited without in trembling anxiety for his appearance when he came out she asked with a faltering voice his opinion and besought him not to deceive her from pity to her feelings he shook his head and assured her he would not deviate from truth for the world the captain was indeed in a ticklish situation he said but the medicines he had ordered and sea-bathing he doubted not would set all to rights it was fortunate he added she delayed no longer sending for him mentioned twenty miraculous cures he had performed admired the immense fine prospect before the door and wished her good morning with what he thought quite a degage and an irresistible air she was willing to believe his assurance of her father's recovery as the drowning wretch will grasp at every straw she eagerly embraced the shadow of comfort and in the recovery of her father looked forward to consolation for all her sorrows she struggled against her own illness that no assiduous attention might be wanting to him and would have sat up with him at night had he not positively insisted on her going to bed the medicines he was ordered he received from her hands but with a look which seemed to express his conviction of their inefficacy all however she wished him to do he did and often raised his eyes to heaven as if to implore it to reward her care and yet a little longer spare him to this beloved child whose happiness so much depended on the prolongation of his existence four days passed heavily away and the assurances of the physician who was punctual in his attendance lost their effect upon amanda her father was considerably altered for the worse and unable to rise except for a few minutes in the evening to have his bed made he complained of no pain or sickness but seemed sinking beneath an easy and gradual decay it was only at intervals he could converse with his daughter his conversation was then calculated to strengthen her fortitude and resignation and prepare her for an approaching melancholy event whenever she received a hint of it her agony was inexpressible but pity for her feelings could not prevent her father from using every opportunity that occurred for laying down rules and precepts which might be serviceable to her when without a guide or protector sometimes he adverted to the past but this was only done to make her more cautious in the future he charged her to avoid any further intimacy with lord mortimer as an essential measure for the restoration of her peace the preservation of her fame and the removal of lord cherbury's unjust suspicions who will find at last continued he how much he wronged me and may perhaps feel compunction when beyond his power to make reparation to all he desired amanda promised a religious observance 
she thought it unnecessary in him indeed to desire her to avoid lord mortimer convinced as she was that he had utterly abandoned her but the grief this desertion occasioned she believed she should soon overcome was her father once restored to health for then she would have no time for useless regrets or retrospections but be obliged to pass every hour in active exertions for his support and comfort a week passed away in this manner at the cabin a week of wretchedness to amanda who perceived her father growing weaker and weaker she assisted him as usual to rise one evening for a few minutes when dressed he complained of an oppression in his breathing and desired to be supported to the air amanda with difficulty led him to the window which she opened and seated him by it then knelt before him and putting her arms round his waist fastened her eyes with anxious tenderness upon his face the evening was serenely fine the sun was setting in all its glory and the sea illumined by its parting beams looked like a sheet of burnished silver what a lovely scene cried fitzalan faintly with what majesty does the sun retire from the world the calmness which attends its departure is such i think as must attend the exit of a good man he paused for a few minutes then raising his eyes to heaven exclaimed merciful power had it pleased thee i could have wished yet a little longer to have been spared to this young creature but thy will not mine be done confiding in thy mercy i leave her with some degree of fortitude amanda's tears began to flow as he spoke he raised his hand on which they fell and kissing them off exclaimed precious drops my amanda weep not too bitterly for me like a weary traveller think that rest must now be acceptable to me she interrupted him and conjured him to change the discourse he shook his head mournfully pressed her hands between his and said yet a little longer my child bear with it then bade her assure her brother whenever they met which he trusted and believed would be soon he had his father's blessing the only legacy he cried i can leave him but one i am confident he merits and will value to you my girl I have no doubt he will prove a friend and guardian you may both perhaps be amply recompensed for all your sorrows providence is just in all its dealings and may yet render the lovely offspring of my malvina truly happy he appeared exhausted by speaking and amanda assisted him to lie down entreating him at the same time to take some drops he consented and while she was pouring them out at a little table her back to the bed she heard a deep groan the bottle dropped from her hand she sprang to the bed and perceived her father lying senseless on the pillow she imagined he had fainted and screamed out for assistance the woman of the cabin her husband and mother all rushed into the room he was raised up his temples and hands chafed and every remedy within the house applied for his recovery but in vain his spirit had forsaken its tenement of clay for ever amanda when convinced of this wrung her hands together then suddenly opening them she clasped the lifeless body to her breast and sunk fainting beside it End of chapter thirty two part two